Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Alicia Shanice Reviews. I am your host, it's your girl Shanice, coming back at you with another podcast. We are on episode 199. Damn. <laughs> I am your host, Shanice. Um, who this is a blessing. 199. We're almost to that 200th mark, so I will do a special episode. Today's topic is surviving El Chapo. Um, it's 50 Cent's new podcast series. You guys know I love me some Curtis Jackson, aka 50 Cent. I am an honorary member. I have volunteered myself to be a member of Greenlight Gangs. So I support everything 50 Cent over here. Um, so this new series is very, very good. It's a podcast, but I will recap it. Um, I'm probably going to do a few episodes at a time. So today I'm going to recap episode one through three. Because each episode is a little lengthy and it goes like a audio movie, <laughs> you know, like I can vision everything that they're saying is so interesting. And it's about the Flores brothers who um, worked with El Chapo. They were some of their, uh, some of his, well, they were twins. So they were two of his biggest distributors in the U.S. from Chicago. And... Um, speaking of El Chapo, if you guys are my day one listeners, and if you're not, welcome, welcome, welcome. Please share, share, share. Tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend, and check your girl Shanice out. Um, but if you are one of my day ones, you know I love me to cartel talk. I have covered everything Narcos. I have covered everything Guadalajara cartel, where El Chapo originated from, uh, the Mexican cartels, the Colombian cartels. Y'all know how I feel about Pablo. I've covered everything Pablo. So. Yeah, we're not even done with Pablo. We got to go back because when I first started this pod, I was in a transition of moving. So I was moving out of state, starting a new job, a new position, just doing so many things in the midst of writing my first novel. So I skipped over a lot. So we still have to go back and talk more about Pablito. Um, but yeah, when it's cartel talk, I'm here for it. So this is what I need. It reads like a narco story. And after the podcast, he will start his TV series regarding this. So it's going to be like, you know, what I'm saying another narcos version. So I'm here for it. And the three episodes that I have listened to so far it is very, very, very interesting. It keeps me intrigued. Um, I just had to go out of town and I drove. So it was a 12 hour drive. And um, I was like, you know, let me go ahead and check this out while I'm in the car, you know, because I had so much stuff to get caught back up on when I got back in town. And I was kind of getting tired on the road and that woke me right up. I was all into it. <laughs> so we are about to talk about it. We are about to break it down like we do over here on this platform. Um, as always, you can find me. You can hit me up. You can holler at me. Facebook is Alicia Shanice. Instagram, Alicia Shanice Reviews. And if you need to email me, Alicia Shanice Reviews 13 at gmail.com. You can always inbox, DM, or email me if you have any special recap requests of anything you would like for me to recap with that being a TV show, a movie, a docu-series. Um, I guess what we're doing here, a podcast, <laughs> um, a music album, hit me up. I'll get your recap out within a, um, like a week after I check it out. Um, or if you have a business or a brand or anything you would like for me to shout out, I have no problem doing that. I don't charge for anything like that. I show support to who, um, you know, supports me and I love whom loves me. So all you got to do is hit me up. And even if you just want to hit me up to say, what's up, that's cool too. It's more than fine. 
Um, you can always follow my music playlist. They are on Spotify exclusively. All you got to do is type in Shanice Loves. You'll see my picture profile pop up. And once you click on it, it takes you to all of my music playlists. So for my episode 200, we're going to do a special pod, probably a music pod. And then 201, I'm going to drop... Um, Hip Hop Homicides, which is uh, 50 Cent's new show. It airs every Monday night on WE, um, where they cover homicides that happen in hip hop. Um, <clears throat> the first episode was about Pop Smoke, so I'll get that out probably Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, but we're going to do episode 200, our special episode first. You guys know I did a special episode for the 50th. I did a special episode for the 100th. And now we're going to do one for 200. So I'm excited about that. And if you guys been rocking with me, I appreciate your support and helping me get this far. And if you're new, like I said, welcome, welcome, welcome. Tell a friend and tell a friend, tell a friend, share, share, share. Um, that pretty much sums it up. I don't really have too much else to say about announcements besides, you know, I'm going to be covering everything fifth. So we're doing the BMF docuseries recaps. We're going to be doing Surviving El Chapo. We're going to be doing Hip Hop Homicides. Um, and then uh, if you're into Big Sky, I cover Big Sky each week, which is on a two week break. Um, the new the TV show, it's been out for two seasons. It's called Dead to Me. It's a Netflix series. So, you know, Netflix drops all 10 episodes at once. So season three, which is the last and final, drops November 17th. So I'm going to do a marathon of that. We'll um, break that down and recap it. Really good show. I love Christina Applegate, who stars in it. Um, I have a very special thing I'm working on. It should drop by the end of November. So I think you guys will enjoy that as well. It's going to be something I've never done on here before. So I think you guys are going to enjoy that. I'm still working on the book. Um, it's done. The book cover is done. Most of it's done. The only thing we're still working on, on is the editing process. And then I'm in the midst of negotiating something. So once um, it's published, you guys know I'm going to be hosting the Every Friday series where I read the book to you chapter, each chapter on a Friday night and, you know, tell you at the end of each chapter, how I came up with this and, you know, um, what brought this on and explain more about it. So, you know, 50 Cent does it again. This man just inspires me. Like, um, here I am covering his podcast, Surviving El Chapo, and it reads like, a, you know, it goes like a movie. That's how I want my book to be. So, you know, the man just keeps inspiring me. So um, as I'm covering the pod, I'm just like, oh, yeah, this is how I want my book to read. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but um, let's go ahead and get into the show and talk Surviving El Chapo. All I need is one mic. I was a criminal, so the law wasn't there to benefit me. I'm 
Curtis Vincent Jackson. And I am Charlie Webster. Let me tell you a story about two brothers. If you think this is just another knockoff story, you're wrong. My brother and I, we probably easily pushed over 130, 140 tons since 1998. We were distributing in Chicago, Illinois, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Naples, Minnesota, Detroit, Michigan, Cincinnati, Ohio, Missouri, Kentucky, Pennsylvania, New York City, Washington, Atlanta, Georgia, Los Angeles, California, Vancouver, British Columbia. In the pantheon of drug prosecutions in the history of the Northern District of Illinois, this case stands at the highest level. Sure, it's got all the action. And pulled the gun out. It was a 50 cap. It's already loaded. He has a box of ammunition. And he's like, go ahead and just go in the chamber. He said, listen, I'm calling you because they got an 80 or 100 men ready to come get you. But there's a chance that you might not make it out alive. And the drama. I said, well, sir, I'm here because um, I'm here for my brother. I remember getting my knees and praying, and I said, I get my brother back. I promise I'll change my life. That's what I bet. And that's what I said. And at the end of the day, it's about two boys born into a life they didn't choose. Hear the incredible true story of Jay and Pete Flores, the twin brothers from Chicago who built America's biggest drug trafficking empire. What happened? I'm in trouble. Like this. Oh, they, they like this. They looked at us like their sons and treat us like family. Now we're at the table with the biggest drug lords. And with that comes power and protection. Jay and Pete went on to become El Chapo's right hand men. We ended up becoming the biggest cocaine suppliers or distributors for the Sinaloa cartel. He said, they made me write a diagram of where were we in the cartel. He writes the name Chapo. He does little sticks. He puts which part don't you understand? Thinking about really just wanting a way out. This story made international news because they are the reason El Chapo is now in prison and they've never spoken publicly until now. It was crazy what I had just proposed to cooperate against the biggest jugglers in the world. My brother and I had the only illegal recording of Chapo Guzman they ever had. Listen to Surviving El Chapo, the twins who brought down a drug lord, begins October 19th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's no one else who were in our shoes that could sit next to you and tell you I'm alive. This is who we are. This is my life. All right. So I wanted to play the trailer, and it's Surviving El Chapo, the twins who brought down a drug lord. Um, you can get it. It's on iHeartRadio, but you can get it on all streaming services. I'm listening to it off of Spotify. Um, <clears throat> this is right up my alley. <laughs> First of all, it's fifth. So I, I'm an honorary member of Greenlight Gang. I support everything Curtis Jackson. But not only that, um, I'm really into the cartel world. And when we, t- uh, just before we even get started, for them to be the number one distributors in the U.S. for the Sinaloa cartel, that means a lot because everyone knows who knows cartel world. And if you don't, that's fine. I've covered a lot of it. You can go back and listen to my previous episodes. The Sinaloa cartel um, came from the Guadalajara cartel, and I've covered so much on the Guad- Guadalajara cartel uh, just because it was a big deal um, when Pablo died the cali cartel went down a year after that and that's when everything transferred over to mexico because the colombian routes were down 
So everything was coming over the border in Mexico. And the Guadalajara cartel was so iconic for so many reasons. And um, one of the big deals was Kiki Camarena, the DEA agent that was murdered. And that touched my heart. Um, I did a recap on the last NARC, which talked about that whole entire situation. Um, But when we go talking about narcos, I'm here for it. And um, El Chapo came directly under that wing of the Guadalajara cartel. He ran the Sinaloa cartel, him and El Mayo. El Mayo is still on the run. He's still a wanted fugitive. Um, uh, We covered a lot about um, Carol Quintero. Rafa Carol Quintero, who was associate, he was one of the founders of the Guadalajara cartel and wanted and tried and served time for the murder of Kiki Hamarano. But um, the charges that he was brought up on, it was a technicality. So they let him out, but he was still wanted in the U.S. and he was still on the run because he was released from prison. Um, and he was just actually took it in a few months ago back in June or July so I do want to talk about that on a separate pod um yeah he was still doing interviews they're all in Spanish but I sit and read through them because like I said I'm so into this so when 50 Cent announced that he was the one the Flores Brothers I'm like I'm here for it I am here for it and the Flores Brothers were iconic in their own right like I said they were some of the biggest distributors in the u.s twin brothers um they were intertwined with the hip-hop world um at one point uh they were getting involved in music um it's interesting on even how they met 50 cent which we'll talk about that um but they were associated with kanye west um drake so like I said, their story reigns supreme. And I've only made it through three episodes. And I'm here for it. Um, they're dropping episode each Wednesday. So when I come back on to do this, we'll cover four, five, and six. So I'm going to wait for one more episode to drop. I'll probably do um, two at a time because they're they're lengthy. They're very lengthy. And it's a podcast, so I won't cover scene by scene like we do on TV shows or documentaries. We'll just, you know, have uh, uh, just a full round discussion about it. You know what I'm saying? So today I'm going to cover episode one. It's called Little Village. Um, the description reads, identical twins Pete and Jay Flores built America's biggest drug trafficking empire and made international news because they are the reasons El Chapo is now in jail. But this isn't just another narco story. 50 Cent and Charlie take you to the beginning, the streets of Little Village, Chicago, where Pete and Jay at the age of seven began learning the family trade, taking their first steps on the journey they were born to be a part of. We'll cover um, call, uh, Twin Call Me, and uh, that's episode two. The description reads, three months into their drug trafficking career, the twins have a million dollars stashed under their bed. They are just 17 years old. Pete and Jay are in, enjoying 
metric rise to the top, building a complex logistical chain in Chicago from scratch, shipping their product all over America. And it turns out they learned how to build a successful empire in the same place many kids get their first job, McDonald's. And guess what? McDonald's was my first job as well. (laughs) And I'm going to cover... Episode three, love is easy. There are two more people who are the key to the story. Jay and Pete fall in love with the daughters of cops, Val and Viv. And it's not their proximity to the law that brings trouble to the boy's door with Val, ex-husband's Cato, being the boss of feared gangs, the Latin Kings, and the twins moving to and a half million dollars worth of cocaine a month. The streets of Chicago start talking about the Flores brother. Pete find himself in a threatening situation. So those are the episodes we're going to co- cover today and talk about. After that, I'm going to play a sleeper. You already know that. <laughs> in my Joe Button style. Shout out to the pod father. So episode one, Little Village, it's about, you know, the identical twins, Pedro Flores and Margarito Flores, who now go by Pete and Jay. And their upbringing in Chicago under their father, father Margarito Sr., who was also a drug kingpin himself. So Margarito Sr. was the man, and he was a big heroin dealer at that time. Um, their young lives changed forever after he was released from prison. So um, it's narrating with um, 50 Cent and Charlie Webster. Um, now, 50 Cent... This is very interesting. His connection comes from the with the Flores brother. It comes from Young Buck, who I am not a big fan of. <laughs> um, but it comes from Young Buck um, getting his uh, G Unit necklace taken um, in the projects in Chicago, where not even police go, and um, they retrieved it. The brothers retrieve the chain, give it back to 50 Cent, and the relationship grew from there. Now, you know, if 50 Cent and Young Buck was getting along and they had to get the chain back, this was the early 2000s, okay? So it talks about in 1998 how they have been responsible for distribution of thousands of kilos. And they talked about it briefly in the trailer. You know, they move weight in Chicago, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Detroit, Kentucky, New York, Washington, Atlanta, Georgia, Columbia. They were the biggest distributors in the U.S. I mean, getting it for real, coming straight from the Federation, the Sinaloa Cartel. And one of the Sinaloa Cartel was one of the biggest, like, like, I'm not bullying. They, like, a lot of people talk about the Tijuana Cartel, but the Sinaloa Cartel is huge because that's where it all originated from that's where every all three of the original guadalajara cartel members were from rafa Quero, um rafa carol quintero don nito miguel felix they are all from sinaloa so all of that originated from the guadalajara cartel after the the, the murder of key camarano it kind of split up tijuana went and did their thing el chapo went and did his thing and the Felix brothers who ran Tijuana, they had a big war. And, you know, at first it seemed like the Felix brothers were winning, but El Chapo, he did his thing and he teamed up with El Mayo. El Mayo is still a fugitive. So that's just a little backstory. If you don't know, the Sinaloa, the Sinaloa cartel is humongous and El Chapo ran it for a long time, but he did not only do it by himself. Of course, he was one of the main key factors, but... El Mayo was still a big deal and many more. So the Flores brothers, 
back to them. They were born in Chicago and they were literally born into the life. Like, you know how some people be like, you know, I was born like, you know, say I was born in the hood. I, I was, I didn't have none. I ain't had no messy. I had to get out there and get it. They literally were, were born into this world. Like, taught, raised, structured, we have to go get this, um, they, um, from their father, uh, they had to meet in a safe house to even do this podcast, because they are now in Witsack, and, um, they had to meet at a secret location, the brothers are not supposed to be around each other at all, because due to the Witsack, and it's dangerous, you know, anybody know, like, okay, so when you talk about the mob, <laughs> and I used to be, like, all into the mob, but once I got into the cartels, <laughs> I don't know, I didn't want to talk about the mob no more, I did my mob marathon, which I enjoyed doing, but, like, I used to really be wanting to know about the five families, and the Chicago fit, and everything, but after I got into the cartel world, I'm just like, whoa, what the fuck, you know, um, but, um, for number one, they're in Witsack, and it's just not safe being wanted for uh Chapo bringing him down in the cartels. I mean, come on, when they arrested a Chapo's son, they had to let him out because they got the kidnapping and shooting police officers. Like the cartel don't play. So, um, to even do this, they had to meet in a in a secret safe house. It was Charlie Webster, 50 Cent, meeting with the two brothers. They had 21 people cramped in this little house. And the podcast goes on to say, like, if you roll past this house, you would have no idea. It was 21 people in there. Bodyguards was outside. You would have no idea that these two brothers was in here with 50 Cent, you know, recording this. So it goes on back to their beginning, their childhood. They were born June 12th in 1981, the youngest of seven siblings and the only twins in the family. And um, both named by twin, like everybody call them twin, not in the, not in the plural, like twins, they go by twin, you know, and as you're listening, you kind of learn which twin is which in their personality. So, um, after um the last 14 years they've been in secret uh they spent the last 14 years in secret prison locations um they had a big brother well they have a big brother his name is Armando he was out there getting it and we'll talk about him momentarily um they were seven years old when their father was released from prison he did seven years so it's just like seven 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 like they were seven years old when their father got released um they're the seventh of seven siblings and their father did seven years it's just seven 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 so um it talks about their father a lot because that played a major role in them getting into the drug business at the age of seven um so that's why I said they were embedded in this like they had no choice um their father was 22 years old when he married their mother who was actually 12 at that time things like that happened back in the day. <laughs> um, but, um, he was worth a million dollars off of heroin. You know, he was a big heroin boss, um, back in the day and in the eighties, that was a big deal because he was locked up in 1981. <clears throat> so it just goes on to talk about you know, their upbringing of being that young and their father was arrested when their mother was pregnant with them. So he didn't actually get out until they were seven years old. And then when he got out, their mother, you know, back in those days, especially 
in their culture, she was a housewife, you know, but when their father got incarcerated, she had to kind of take over and take control over everything. And that's when the gangs were really big. They had the Latin Kings and so on in, in Chicago, you know, they were just out there running wild and just young. And when their father got out, it changed. And they say it kind of changed for the worse because he like, no, y'all not doing this. And at the same time that he's telling them that they're not, they're not about to be a part of the gang world. And their mother, she was a housewife. She was old school. So she didn't really know what was going on. She just was trying to put food on the table. Um, their father was like, absolutely not. But at the same time, bringing them into the drug world, having them go get the, um, product for him having to pass this do that back this and not only that taking them on routes back and forth to mexico to do pickups and drop off so they were literally literally embedded into this world um their father was in uh wanted shortly after for um making a sale to an undercover agent and they had to go to mexico and while they stayed there for a while their brother Armando was still in Chicago and a part of the Latin King still doing his thing. And they kept calling him and he decided to let them come back, but let, let them know, like, you know, when you come back, I don't have time to just sit and babysit you guys. And they were still young and he was a young teenager as well. He was still very young as well, but he was, you know, a part of the Latin Kings associated with them and doing his thing so he couldn't really be like that father figure, but he was still there for them. But of course, going back to their brother who was doing his thing, they were going to get back into the drug world, you know, and they were so young. So their father let them go back when they got back to Chicago shortly after Armando was taken in. So they were basically left to fend for themselves. So... <clears throat> it just gets very, very interesting. And you just see on how they got into the world, like, you know, being seven years old, that's still a baby that they were still babies. And then when their father got out, he changed everything and got to taking them on routes, big routes, you know, <laughs> to Mexico and doing all of this. And then that's what they got used to. And then they have to go having to flee back to Mexico because their father was a fugitive and then back to with their brother who they're seeing all of this gang action. They're seeing all of the money transaction, the sales and their brother get locked up. Of course, they're going to do that. Um, <clears throat> so they went back to Chicago and that was basically little village just talking about their upbringing, talking about what happened on how they got in there. And then um, episode two, more talking about their entrepreneur skills and um, where they got their business structure from, which was very, very interesting. They got their entrepreneurs, entrepreneur skills from McDonald's, from the structure of you could hire anyone. They can barely speak English. They might not be able to read, but mcdonald's system was so great and so together it runs so smoothly that you can't ruin their business you know what i'm saying so they took that and brought it into their drug world and look what they turned it into and we learned um during the pod that they um they just weren't, they weren't playing. They weren't playing. They talk about how they watch people in McDonald's. They watch the structure. They took a load and then it will get back to the brothers. Like they started working in McDonald's and 
after Armando was arrested, they went to Mexico because they got in, they got wanted because they started getting out there and they had to go back to Mexico for some advice from their father. And the, the ironic thing about the McDonald's is that this was where their father did his sale where he sold to an undercover agent and had to flee. And then this is where they got their first job at and got their entrepreneur skills. And not only that, that's where they made their first sale at. So I'm like, damn, all these seven, seven, sevens. And then the same McDonald's like, wow, it just was like some numerology type stuff going on there. Um, but after they, um, after Armando got locked up, which was all they had, cause that's who they went to go stay with. And then they got, to selling stuff themselves and got in trouble right away they had to go back and their father had to tell them like look you know and give them you know a whiff of how this world works you know and tell them about their mistakes so they went back to Chicago still wants it still wants it and over the time they pushed over 130 tons since 1998 and they became Chapo's right hands man's uh their father he had stashed a lot of money over there in Mexico when he had ties with the Sinaloa cartel so that's how they were able to kind of get in with Chapo uh through the father connections because they were in Sinaloa um and one of the brothers he had the only recording on Chapo and um a fun fact that I learned in this doc as well that they began to even dominate this drug world even more, especially in the U.S. Um, after 9-11, when the border was closed down and it was like a drought and nobody was moving weight, you know, it was just dry out here. They were the only ones in the U.S. who had the supply. And it was pure at that because they were getting it straight from the cartel. And one thing that was interesting is how they talked about how um, you know, they looked at everybody's mistakes around them, and then they took the structure of McDonald's on how to take care of their people, and they were talking about on how the um, lady Ashley, she um, was into fraud, and she ended up working with them, like, close by on their daily operations, and how she was bipolar, so they had to look out for her, and it was like, she was bipolar, so we had to take mental health into care and worry about our people, because if our people fell off out of anything, out of mental health, out of laziness, that could mess up our whole operation, so we had to look out for everybody, and that was one thing that we covered in the BMF docuseries about Big Meech, on how he looked out for his people, and it just shows you just that fact of the te- coming on as a leader saying, okay, this one person could mess up everything by one mistake. You park the car this way, it can mess up one little thing. So just the way on how they took on anything, you don't hear drug dealers talking about, we got to look out for somebody mental health. So that was really interesting. And they go on to say on how they, they took care of their people. And from what I've been watching, because I've been doing a little research on the Flores Brothers um, out of the last week people who are still in Chicago talk about how good they were. They weren't really gangsters. They were businessmen. They were businessmen. And to be a good drug dealer, you have to know business, to be honest, if you want to be bringing in what they were bringing in. I'm not talking about the nickel and dime sellers who sell some weed here and there. I'm talking about somebody who was a head distributor for El Chapo himself. So you have to be a good businessman or know what you're doing. So we said they took care of their people. They took care of everyone in their organization. And we learn in this podcast, the same way you go to Mexico to get your product, you have to transport the money back and you have to use back routes. 
and it's always a chance you want return. And they go on to say that, you know, they're so detrimental to being in WITSEC, being um, an informant, because they can take all of the knowledge they have, they can take it back to law enforcement, feds, and, you know, they didn't know a lot of this shit. You know, it's really inside intel. Um, but it goes on like a movie, like as they're describing everything, you can really vision it. And it's really interesting. Um, they go on to say on how they had so many stash houses and they couldn't even remember where they were at because they had so many. So they just started naming them nicknames about whatever really big building or something that was by them. And they had a stash house right by Oprah's uh, studio in Chicago and they just named that stash house the rich bitch <laughs> so I, th- I thought that was funny but anyway um then in episode well towards the end of episode two and that goes in episode three we meet uh the girl Val who was like the 90s version of Kim Kardashian shall you say she had the plastic surgery she was the it girl and they fall in love her she married the brother uh, Margarito who goes by Jay now and you know her story was interesting because she goes on to say on how she was basically um, a carrier shall you say she did a lot of transports back from Mexico um, to Chicago her family was in law enforcement ironically Um, but she was married to Cato first and Cato was one of the leaders in the Latin Kings um their brothers were close to Cato as well um Armando so that's how they were affiliated with him and Cato was really known he was really known very respected um nickname was King Cato he was close to Fat Joe DMX Buster Rhymes um after he passed away or what should I say was murdered he was murdered in a barbershop um on a contract killing um, this was in 2003 for allegedly stealing some money from the Sinaloa cartel. Um, he was close to DMX and he actually put a put a tribute out on him. And the name is uh, the name of the song is A.O. Cato. Um, so after Cato was murdered, rumors started spreading around that the Flores brothers might have been after that, not only because of, you know, um, Jay getting involved with Val, but how they started dominating the underworld even more. You know, they started dominating Chicago after the killing of him. Then he got with his wife and um, not only that, but the connection to the cartel. But um, they say they weren't involved, you know. Um, And then I was listening to some other people um, just off random interviews. I was um, doing research on the Flores brothers. They say that the brothers didn't have anything to do with that and that Val actually was really loyal to Kato but um as episode three goes on it's just talking about on how he met Val how that caused that relationship brought on so much tension because of how Kato was so real respected and how they were growing notoriety that relationship was just bad you know and then it goes on to show on how they were getting so much money that one of the brothers actually end up getting kidnapped and then it ends. So I have to get caught up on episode four and five and I'll do that. And then we'll recap that. But this, this is, this is hard. I love it. I love it. I love it on how they're talking about it. And it's still at the beginning. So we haven't really learned a lot. It's just about their upbringing, how they got into the drug world, how they gained their notoriety. Um, It haven't, 
really made it to the part where they met El Chapo or anything. It's just now with the kidnapping very early on in the age at their beginning of their um, getting into the drug business because their brother was just arrested. So they're just now growing notoriety. So it's still at the beginning. Um, I'm enjoying it, but that's what it's about. I hope you guys check it out so we can talk about it on a weekly basis um, or, you know, every other week. Um, but, you know, shout out to 50 Cent. 50 Cent going to... Fifth gonna be fifth, you know. <laughs> but not only that, I just love cartel talk. So like, for him to be doing like another narcos version, and if you one of my day one listeners, remember when we covered um, narcos Mexico season three, which was the end last November? I was about to cry. I'm like, oh my god, there's no more narcos. Even though they are doing um, another version off Griselda Blanco, so that's gonna go back to Medellin. But narcos Mexico just hit different, and from their story to be connected to the Sinaloa cartel, that's what makes it even more intriguing for me. So I'm here for it. Um, so like I said, 50 Cent, he, he, he giving us bangers. He giving us TV show after TV show with the power universe. Um, and now he's taking us into, you know, the U S side of the Narcos version. I love it. I love it. And I love stories like this and we're hearing it from the brothers firsthand. And we see, um, with all that they have been through. And I just started researching them to its entirety recently, but, um, one thing that we see through everything that they have been through. I mean, of course, now we know that they're in WISAC. We know that they were um, the big part of bringing Chapo down. Their loyalty remains in sync. Like when they talk about each other, they both say that, you know, my brother is one of the most smartest people. I know they said it about each other, like their loyalty, they're identical twins, you know, and they come from a history of drug smugglers from their father. And, that's where they even got the connection from to be a part of the Sinaloa cartel because you can't just get connected with Chapo like that. So, you know, it's a lot of history there. But like I said, this was just the beginning. I only made it to episode three. Um, when I pick up on episode four, that'll talk about the kidnapping. So that that that's why it was just like a brief recap of all three talking about how they were born in Chicago, on how their father got them into the drug smuggling, how he was incarcerated for the first seven years of their life and brought them in. And then shortly after he was a fugitive again and flew off to Mexico and took them down there and he went, they went back to be with their big brother Armando, who was in a game and he got locked up. And, you know, they started working for McDonald's, um, took that as an entrepreneur lesson and joined the family business. Um, and not only that, the connection with Val, who was with Cato, who was a big deal, you know, one of the leaders of the Latin Kings. So it's a lot of history here. Then his connections with the, you know, it's even intriguing on how they got connected with 50 Cent. It was associated with Kanye West and um, Drake. So that hasn't even came up yet. Um, but yeah, I can't wait to talk about this and learn more about it. So I'm going to check out episode four and five. They're going to drop episode six Wednesday. So we can do four, five, and six um, after Wednesday. So I'll, I'll recap those three and then we'll talk about that. So my next episode when we recover uh, Surviving El Chapo, it'll be four, five, and six. Um, so you guys want to check that out? 
It's on um, all streaming service, Surviving El Chapo. Then come back and hear my recap on it. But yeah, I'm here for it. They were, they was getting money. And it's a lot of stuff they're talking about. And it's coming firsthand from the brothers. And for even them to even be together when they're not supposed to be around each other telling this story, like, it's powerful. So I'm here for it. It goes like a movie. I can uh, vision everything as they're talking about it. So yeah, I'm here for it. But I have a sleeper for you guys. Um... I have two sleepers. Um, I want you guys to stream Pillmatic. It's a new album out by Gully TV. Shout out to Jamil from Gully TV. Um, he also has a book, some things I've been through. Make sure you guys check that out. Um, but yeah, here's my sleeper in my Joe Budden style. Shout out to the pod father. Y'all know I got the sleeper idea from him. I just, you know, love Joey so much. Um, as a podcaster, he inspires me. I always root for the underdogs and how he changed his career around. So um, I take my sleeper idea from him, but I pick my own sleepers, of course. But yeah, shout out to Jamil. It's a hard-ass album, Pillmatic, um, on all streaming services. So here is my sleeper. And then I have another sleeper for you guys as well. Shit got hot, like John Marie, the youngest nigga in the hood with a spot. 
to Jamil from Gully TV. Make sure you guys stream that album Pillmatic. Dropped yesterday. It's on all streaming services. That was Game Time, Gully TV, PA Dre, Zip with the Trip. And I do have another sleeper for you guys. I hope you guys don't mind sticking around for about three more minutes. But this one brings tears to my eyes. Baby Jew, 556. Baby Jew 556. Rest in heaven, little cousin. Going too soon. Uh, you can stream Baby Jew music on all streaming services. And it's on YouTube. Going too soon. I hope you guys enjoyed my recap and review of Surviving El Chapo. Um, I love everything narcos related, so we are gonna definitely tune into this. Um don't forget, you guys can always hit me up. Always hit me up. Social media, Alicia Shanice. That's Facebook, Alicia Shanice Reviews. Instagram, Alicia Shanice Reviews13 at gmail.com for email. Um, and the links will be in the description box as well. Um, don't forget, share, share, share. Tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend. I got a lot of stuff I'm working on. I'm dropping something big. Uh, you know, Lord's will by the end of November. And, you know, 
once the book is finalized and we hit publish, um, that's what this podcast will consist of every Friday. I cannot wait to share that with you. Uh, it's my passion project. It's my heart. Like, so I can't wait to get into that with you guys as well. But yeah, we just gonna keep pushing out content. And if um you got anything you want me to recap, I promise you, I don't mind. Hit me up. Give me a, you know, what you want me to recap. I'll check it out and I'll get it out within a week. If it takes longer, I'll, you know, hit you back and let you know. Uh, it might take a little longer, but um, normally it takes about a week for me to get that recap out. Uh, protect your energy at all costs. Depression is at all time high. If you have anybody in your life who is an enemy to your energy, you don't have to do it rudely, but um, put yourself first. Push them out your life politely. Just say, I can't do this right now. Um, the sky is the limit. What God has for you, no man can take away from you. So keep striving. You can get out there and do whatever um, you put your mind to. You have to want it. You have to get it. You have to dream it. You have to live it. Um, One person who I look at uh, as a resilient person, um, I always root for the underdog is when I always say um, shout out to 50 Cent. 50 Cent, Curtis Jackson. I did a podcast on him, a tribute to him, to his career, uh, paying homage. Why I admire that man so much is uh, his resilience. Like he was, he beat against all odds. And where he's at now, that's so inspiring. I pray I can work with him one day uh, with my own writing. Um, But I always root for the underdogs. Even when I say, you know, shout out to Joe, the pie father, Joe Button. Uh, he, they would consider him a washed up rapper at one point. And I'm not saying that's what he was, but you know, just the jokes, but hell, he fooled them. He like, Oh, I'm, I'm, that's what I am. And he became the pod father. He took the podcast game to a whole nother world. So I root for people like that. And them type of stories inspire me. People who seem like they have nothing, don't have a chance and they fool the world. So sometimes you have to isolate yourself from the world and push those people out with negative thoughts and, you know, negative bad vibes and, you know, downward energy energy and say you know what I'm going to do this and put your mind to it and a lot of times it'd be people who don't even know you who support you the best it'd be people who you know your whole life or people who you thought would always be in your corner who um, bring you down and won't support you so you have to just push that image out of your head and know what you want and go for it because at the end of the day is your life and we only get one life and we have to live it to the fullest so you know nothing happens by mistake everything happens for a reason so just keep calm and know everything is working a plan of course there'll be bad days it's okay to soak around for a day or two but after that get up if god bless you to wake up um, another day and you wake up with breath to breathe you get out there and you live it to the fullest you push you push you push you fight to get what you want the sky is the limits so on that note i'm gonna go ahead and um sign off uh thank you for your support i love you guys to the fullest if you need anything you need me to shout you out all you gotta do is hit me up even if you just want to say hey what's up that's cool too so i hope you guys have a beautiful week we drop that 200th episode next and then i'm gonna uh do my recap of hip-hop homicides and you know the list goes on and on and on so on that note it's your girl shanice and i'm out hope you enjoyed the show with your girl, Shanice.